I want to show you just everything that we've learned this semester. If you go to that next slide, it has all the different questions on it. And so we've gone over quite a bit. And our goal in the very beginning was just to, to know our foundation according to biblical truth and to, yeah, to work towards being able to defend the faith. So I'm hoping through this series that y'all will be able to do exactly that. And then so tonight, the question is, how can you say that there's only one true faith? So I want to start out with one question. How many of y'all have taken a trip somewhere? Should be everybody in this room, right? Everyone, even if you just took a trip here, you took a trip to the church. How many different ways could you have gone just to get here? Yeah, you could have taken multiple ways, right? You could have taken a direct way here, or you could have taken a scenic route. Those scenic routes could have been multiple ways as well. And uh, just like the journeys that we take, that is what some people think about their spiritual journeys as well. And so we as Christians, we have a different claim on that. There's only one route that leads to God. And this is against popular opinion that says that all roads lead to God because people, some people, not us, say that religions are basically teaching the same thing. And the Saying that there's only one route that leads to God might be a huge obstacle to some people. Um, part of this message I got from Lee Strobel, and he's he's an atheist who actually he wrote the book Case for Christ, and this was an obstacle for him to say that there's only one way to God. But he he worked all that out. He investigated it for himself, just like he did, you know, as a reporter on any other case, and and he's a Christian today. And I think he's been a Christian for over 30 years now. So the question is, do Christians make this claim that there's only one route because they believe that they're superior to other people? Or do they make this claim because this is the biggest news of all time? So at the center of what Christians believe is a statement that Jesus made about is a week before his crucifixion. And Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes through the Father except for, through me. There is only one way to the Father. And this is something that he'd been saying in the beginning, just in all kinds of different ways, you know, throughout his ministry. And this might actually be offensive to someone. But no matter how it makes someone feel, the real question needs to be, is this true? And that's what we're going to discuss here in a few minutes. So regardless, this goes against the assumption that all religions teach the same thing, and there are many ways to salvation. So the world religions, they do agree on some of the surface teachings, but when you get to the core of the religions, they're very contradictory. And I don't want to get too much into other religions tonight, but the bottom line is they can't all be right. One has to be wrong, and let's just put it this way. This would be similar to like being in a in a relationship with someone. So you might have an idea of what you're looking for in someone that you want to date or court or say even a friend, who somebody you'd want to be friends with. And as you spend time with that person, they either meet the criteria that you have or they fall short. And whether you decide to acknowledge the truth in that, it remains the same. So I would want someone that challenges me. And I've dated and I've had relationships with friends that do the opposite of challenge me. They actually bring me down. 
And at the surface, this relationship, it seemed like it was harmless. But when you get to know the person and you realize that they don't have your best interests at heart, this drastically changes the relationship. You've gotten down to the core of the relationship. And either that relationship is good for you or it isn't. And I'm not saying that we should go around dating other religions or other beliefs. That's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. So Lindsay puts it, puts it this way, and I've said this several times before. She said, if I could give you a better and an easier path, would you take it? And would you be grateful that you had taken that better, easier path? And I would say, you dang skippy, you know, I'm grateful that I took that path. And this is what Jesus has to offer. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So let's talk about Jesus. So Jesus made some outrageous claims. We've talked about that through the series, and rightfully so, that he made these claims. He claimed that he was the son of God. He claimed that he would rise from the grave, and he did. And there's no other religious leader or great religious leader that said that they were the direct path to God through, through them. So on top of that, our faith does not exist without Jesus himself. So Christianity, it's not just based on beliefs and teachings. It's based on the person of Jesus. So that is distinctly different between all other religions. If you take Jesus out of the picture, you don't have Christianity. And the reason, the reason is, is because Jesus was God intersecting this world. He came in, he, he broke into human history to change us at the core. And Jesus wasn't concerned about what was on the surface. He was concerned about what was going on in the heart. So, so far, we've talked about Jesus. He's not just an awesome person that came to this world. He was the unique son of God. And the key issue becomes, did he back up the claim who he was in a clear and convincing way? And before we get into that, I know I'm just bouncing back a little bit, but this will all make sense. Let's talk about us as people. So I've heard it put this way, and I'm sure you all have too. We all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts that cannot be filled by any other thing. We all have this need. So we all have this purpose. We have a meaning in life that goes beyond what we could achieve on our own. And we need the empowerment to live the kind of life that we couldn't live on our own. And that is exactly why Christianity makes the most sense. It offers a solution to the problem. And it doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't look past it. It identifies it for what it is. So here's the problem right here in the scripture. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have, they have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. So we are separated from God because of sin, and he's perfect, and he is holy. And I can't live up to my expectations on a personal level, much less could I live up to God's standard because it's infinitely higher. And I know this from personal experience because I had a sense that something was off, you know, that something was not right with God even from a very young age. And uh, I, I couldn't put it into words, you know, as a young boy, but I knew that I've, I felt the guilt and the separation from God. And I had such 
so much rebellion in my heart, even like, I mean, this was at Bodie's age. And I'm grateful that I was brought up in a home that knew the importance of establishing that relationship with God. And that was my proclamation, that I was going to do, do things differently when I was baptized. And did I continue to mess up after that? Of course I did. But that was the first step in me understanding spiritually that I was made right with God through my faith. So God reached down to earth with a rescue effort. And this rescue effort is unique to Christianity itself. God came down to earth as a man to clearly communicate his intentions with us. And Jesus was the only one that could heal that relationship with God. So he took all of our sins and all of our trespasses upon himself so that we could be free. And the solution to the problem is not how to make us better. The solution to the problem is grace. And this is, this is not something that we deserve. That's why grace is a gift. And that's why the forgiveness of our sins is, is a gift. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that one can boast. So Christian doctrine of grace is absolutely unique. It's not because, you know, outstanding moral behavior or a lifetime of good works, that's not going to qualify us for salvation. That is why it is a gift. This is a, a reward that cannot be earned. And this is because God loves us. He loves us lavishly. And he wants, he wants to make that love a present reality in our life. So I want to say that again because this is something that's also unique to Christianity he wants to make that love a present reality in our life. Our God wants a relationship with you, and he loves you so much. So Jesus came down to this earth so that that relationship could be made whole. And we have the ability to have the spirit of the living God live in all of us because of Jesus. And is. It is the only faith that has that clear relationship with God. And it's how I'm able to father my children. It's how I'm able to, you know, live my everyday life. I'll, I will never father the way that, that God fathers us, but I can reflect that. God wants the very best for us, and he wants the very best relationship with us. And the only way that that's accomplished is by his son, Jesus because we are made right through our faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm reminded that I'm lavishly loved every day with people around me, and I'm hoping that y'all are the same way. People that, that love God and have that relationship with God, and I'm called to do the same thing. I'm called to love others the way that God loves me. So God isn't looking down at the world at, you know, all the different religious clubs. He's not, you know, looking at the Muslim club, the Christian club, the Hindu club, the Jewish club and saying, you know, like, I like the Christian club the best. He's looking down at humanity who is wicked and desperately needs him. And he gives them an opportunity to, to accept him or, or reject it. And he's the only one that solved the problem. God sent his son for the forgiveness of our sins, and it was finished. So I'm going to kind of dive back into what we've already talked about, you know, in previous messages. How can we believe that Jesus 
is who he says he was. And so we, we went over this, and the question is, how do we know that the Bible is true? So there's a wealth of historical evidence. We have more early documentation and eyewitness accounts than, than any other religious leader. And unlike anyone in history, Jesus fulfilled dozens of prophecies, including the location of his birth, the key events of his ministry, and then details of his execution. And each of these prophecies were written in the Hebrew scriptures, you know, centuries before he was born. And Jesus also performed miracles. This was in front of his enemies, in front of skeptics, and he defied nature, disease, and death. And if all that wasn't enough, he was resurrected from the dead, and which was later confirmed by 500 eyewitnesses. So you have to remember that the early followers of Jesus gave their lives. They went to martyr's death, not because they had this sincere belief, because they could have been wrong about that. They actually gave their own lives because of something that they saw. They saw with their own eyes, and they touched with their own hands. They saw that Jesus had risen from the dead after he died on the cross. So the apostle Paul, who is an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus, he goes on to say that if Jesus did not come back from the dead, then our faith is worthless. So 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 15 says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. So this sets Christianity to be testable, and you can actually investigate it. And the more that I look at the resurrection of Jesus, the more that I'm convinced that it happened. And it's unique in that sense as well, that nobody led the way through death to the other side other than Jesus. And Christianity is based on the beginning by his resurrection. And that's, that's what I base my life on. So to have faith, that's to completely put your trust into something. So when I put my faith in something, that, that's something that I would say that I would die for. And it's just like what we talked about earlier. There's some things or there's relationships that might be okay on the surface level. But when you get deeper you come to realize that it's something that you can't completely trust. And as I've gotten deeper in my relationship with God, that trust has only increased. There's no other that I'd want to build my life upon. And I believe that there's only one true faith. And there's only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. So some might consider that to be arrogant. And I mean, that's a question that you've got to be able to answer too. So what can you say to people that think that that's arrogant? What if they say that you're arrogant to believe that there's only one way, you know, that there's only one true way or right way? And the truth is some Christian people do act arrogantly, which is quite silly. You know, everything that we have is a gift. We don't have anything to be arrogant about. And it's not like, you know, I have it all together. It's because, or Christian people have it all together. It's because God had it all together and we're just privileged to be a part of that. So as long as we keep that perspective, we'll be, we will be able to show that in what we do. And hopefully we'll live lives that are humble and clear to the truth. 
Christianity has also, I love this definition. It's as one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that a, that's a pretty cool picture. And I've got another, another way to put it. So Bodhi, I was talking to him yesterday and I thought it tied well into this message. And he was talking about how he was figuring, figuring out that he was one of the smarter kids in the class. And this is a typical conversation you have with Bodhi, you know, every day. He's, he continues to notice the things that he's good at. And so I explained to him that, you know, I'm grateful that he's a smart kiddo, but there's something that he needs to remember, that him being smart is a gift from God. You know, there's nothing that he could do to deserve that. And I thought that his response to this, you know, for to me saying that was awesome. He said, yeah, so I should use how smart I am to help people, to help other people. And I was like, that's exactly right, bud. So he's getting it. So we were all sinners who found forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and we should want to share that with everybody. The way to any truth is that's usually something that's narrow, and it's something that's to the point. So Jesus was the only one who was qualified to pay the penalty for our sin. And that's when Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. And we can trust in that. We can build our life on that. And I'm not searching for any other alternative, you know. He said, it is finished. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into small groups. Generally, Father, thank you for this, for this night. Thank you for, for our group, Lord. And I pray that each one of us would, would know how to defend the faith, Father. Lord, that we would just grow in our trust in you. And that as we just continue to study and grow in knowledge, Father, that um, we'd be able to just put that into action as well, Father. That we'd spend more time with you and grow in that relationship with you. And people would see something that's different in us. And thank you for the gift that you've given us, the gift of your son, Father, for uh, setting us all free or giving us the opportunity to all be free. We love you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.